Hey there, and welcome back to the podcast. So I am Elise Snipes. I am your host and or human on the other side of your earbuds or phone or speakers or however else you are listening today. Um, And at different times in this podcast, I like to get to invite in other voices. I want you to, you know, meet my friends. I want you to hear conversations like as if you're like eavesdropping at a coffee shop or something where you're like, oh, what are those people talking about? And so today's today's podcast episode is that. It's a conversation with Dr. Kristen McConnell. She is the occupational therapist for Radical Wellness. She's amazing and incredibly brilliant and fun to talk to. So this episode is, you know, us nerding out a bit on <laughs> what OT is and who it's for and, and what all of that sounds like. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation. As always, if you have questions or needs or things you're interested in um, from radical wellness or from the therapeutic field, you know, that we're, we're in, would love to hear from you. Please don't hesitate to reach out. I hope that you are well. Cheers. Welcome to the podcast with no name. Um, I am Elise Snipes, and today I am with one of the new members of Radical Wellness Collaborative. Um, her name is Kristen McConnell, and she is our occupational therapist. And we're going to kind of dive in today to what is OT, what is it not, how does it function, how does she function within Radical Wellness? Um, and just like a bigger conversation on how we could conceive of what holistic OT is. So, Kristen, welcome. Hi, Elise. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to let us have a conversation that others can hear as well. Um, can you intro yourself? Tell us, like, how do we get to know you here today now? Yeah, sure. So I'm Kristen. I'm a licensed doctor of occupational therapy. Um, I'm also a yoga teacher. I love nature. I love being outdoors. Um, I really kind of describe myself as just like, I feel like I'm an explorer of the nervous system and how our nervous systems help us navigate daily life. And I bring that into my work as an OT um, and it takes a lot of different shapes and forms. Um, I love, I love the explorer part of the nervous system because it's like, um, that is what drives the specific aspects of your work. Right. But you can see like the bigger landscape of curiosity and exploration and, and, um, is the drive is the hunger piece. Totally. Yeah, totally. And that's a big piece of me (laughs) Uh, is just that, like, I'm always exploring that in myself and I love to help other people explore it in themselves. That's it. Like on a total sidebar is what makes um, the profession feel congruent to the person is it's who I am. And it just so happens that in my work as an OT, this is actually what that looks like, but it's who I am, not what I do necessarily. So, totally. okay. So when we first met and had like an hour long conversation on our, on our first like phone call, it was like, you blew my mind with what occupational therapy could be. So in my own inklings, my direct experience with OT was I was living in a rehabilitation hospital to regain function of my lower extremities. And I experienced the OTs helping me to do the functional things that changed my life and made me feel human again. It was the most niche profession. I was blown away by the how the humanity that I felt restored in and how I couldn't figure out how to do the tiny baby steps of a task. I didn't know how to break it down. I couldn't do it. So I really needed, like, I needed functional support. Um, And then we got connected, and I feel like you have a whole different, beautiful way that you conceive of OT. Could you 
speak into that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I like to just, in the broadest sense of the word, think about OT as like the doing therapy. So we're all about function and we're all about helping people function to their fullest potential in the meaningful activities that make up their day-to-day -day life. So to an occupational therapist, we define occupations as not your job, um, which I think is a common misconception, but all of the meaningful things that you do every day. And that, I mean, just think about your day-to-day -day life. That's a lot of things. That's getting out of bed, it's taking a shower, it's those basics of self-care, but it's also going to work, it's also doing the hobbies and leisure and things that you enjoy, it's how you connect with other people and your social relationships. Um, so our scope as OTs is really, really broad if we keep our focus on function. Um, and I think that's what makes us different than other healthcare professionals. Um, so yeah, so I would define OT as a profession that can help anyone across the lifespan across the lifespan to develop the skills and strategies they need to function to their highest potential in day-to-day -day life. Mm -hmm. I, I love the um, phrase around the meaning versus occupation when we think of profession, like the job. Because you're right, the, the name or the title of the job could be a little misleading when we think of the way we, um, but what occupies, like what, we, what we're what we occupied with. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, that's, and that's, yeah, how do we occupy our time? Um, that's a good way to think about what OT does and what OT could help you or help your child with. It's like, what occupies your time? And within that, are you having like challenges with something mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. that is occupying your time? So mm -hmm. I feel like OTs are also great problem solvers and just really good at helping people overcome barriers that might be yes. in the way of them doing what's meaningful. And those barriers might look like a lot of different things. It might be a physical barrier, um, like in your case, where, you know, you mm -hmm. literally had to regain functioning in your lower extremities. Um, so it might be a physical barrier. It might be a cognitive barrier. It might be a emotional or regulation barrier. It might be a developmental barrier, um, right? A child hasn't doesn't have the fine motor skills or have the visual motor skills yet to handwrite or do something that they need to do in the classroom. Yes. So yep. there's a lot yes. of different barriers, but that's kind of what we're looking at. And then looking at how we can help people overcome those, whether it's something that needs to be worked on within them, like a skill that needs to be developed, whether it's something in the environment that needs to be adjusted, so that they can perform better, or whether it's like, hey, we just need to change this task, mm. right? Maybe we're, maybe we're going about it the wrong way. Maybe we're trying to do this task in a way that we think of as like, quote unquote, the typical way to do it. But hey, there's a lot of ways that you could do it. Yes. <laughs> so yes. let's get creative and think outside the box. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it's, um, I, so within the person, within the environment or adjust the task, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So in OT, we have, we have a model that talks about that, which is like person, environment, and occupation. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so that's kind of, I'm always considering those three factors when I'm working with someone. Um, and then, yeah, the environment, that's a big one, right? The environment's Huge. like physical environment, social environment, cultural environment, economic environment. So that's, that gets really broad. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. So give me, um, when we're thinking about your specific, let's go to your specific function almost within radical wellness. Oh, my dog is here to make some noise. Hey, Ruby girl. <laughs> she has a thing to say too. Um, when we think of, Hey, um, most of the people that we work with is within radical wellness, like are like, it's, it's you, it's me. It's the everyday person that um, we talked about making sustainable change because the work of mental health therapy can tend to be so invisible. Um, we want there to be, um, uh, like, a, what is the word? Um, 
we really want to focus on implementation of sustainable change that people can identify and see that something's actually shifting, which is why I was so thrilled to have an OT come on because you're creating and implementing actual change for people. Um, so let's talk about who you work with within radical wellness, whether that's children, parents, and people who wouldn't normally go to OT. Yeah. So I love that about radical wellness and it's what drew me to your work um, was that you took radical wellness is taking this holistic look. Oh, she's excited about it too. Radical wellness is taking this holistic look um, at supporting not only individuals, but family systems. Um, so within radical wellness, I provide OT for uh, children, um, teens, um, who might be experiencing just like having difficulty with some area in their life, um, whether they're having difficulty like paying attention at school, um, maybe they're having difficulty with self-regulation, um, might be some other concerns. Um, yeah, so work with children and then also with the parents um, to help parents better understand their children's needs through different angles and just, I really want to help parents better understand how they can support their mm -hmm. children mm -hmm. um, and kind of better understand the reasons why they might be seeing some of these behaviors that can be labeled as difficult. Yes. It, um, it's interesting. Most of my life I've spent like as the client, as me personally, but as my, as a parent, I feel very differently when I when I hear you because I'm I'm taking it now through my through, through the parent lens of um, I have one kid who is in OT and I often feel like I'm scrambling to know what can I do and when we met and I heard and have experienced the high level touch with which you equip educate support the parent I'm like so this is the this should be how we care for people is equipping the parent to support the work because that is a large part of the environment that the child mm -hmm. or student or identified patient is in. And for um, me now as professional, as a therapist, I'm like, I, can, I can't do that. <laughs> that's, that's not that's out of my scope. Those are not my skills. Can I help you grieve the child you thought, you know, you were going to have, the type of parent you thought you were going to be and the way it was going to look for you? Yes. Can I help you shift into acceptance? Can I help you um, remember who you are and come back into your family system? Yes. But when I refer parents to you and or adults to you, it's because they need specific tools to be able to actually be in their parenting relationship or in a relationship to their life with with their meaning again, with without flailing without the helplessness that comes from already having a kid who's identified in some way as other. Yeah. Yeah. And I know we've talked about just what I hope parents gain from working with me is like feeling more ease. Um, and I really like that word and I lean into it because <laughs> I know that it's so stressful. It's so challenging um, to be a parent who is trying to raise a child who has differing needs um, yeah. or might need more support. And there really, there isn't enough support for parents. Parents are asked to take on so much. They're asked to do so much work alone. It's isolating. Um, and yeah, I think even when a lot of kids are getting therapy, it's difficult for parents. Parents don't always feel like they're involved in their kids' therapy. They right. don't know what's going on. They might get the message that their kid is making progress and see their kid making progress, but they still kind of feel like, I don't know what I could be doing at home. Yes. Or, you know, I've also worked with parents who they're getting the message from the providers, maybe even the school that the kid is doing great in school. They're doing better. They're doing great in the therapy room, but then at home, 
Yes. They're still having a lot of difficulties or they're still having a lot of difficulty going to the grocery store, eating dinner as a family, all those things Mm -hmm. are still hard. Um, And so I think I really want to fill in that gap and help parents feel like they can almost become their kids like mini OT. (laughs) Like, I know you didn't go to school to be an OT and there might be areas where you still need support, but I want you to feel like you have a really big toolkit of practices and strategies that you can pull in throughout your kid's life um, or day to day. Yeah. And really that is what's most important because even if I'm seeing your kid once a week, there's so many hours of the day that they're not in therapy. So the carryover of all the strategies is what really makes the most difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, it like that's like it's music to my ears um, as in the in our parallel therapeutic services in that we do not put all of the pressure on the identified patient to be the one who changes. And that can happen in any family with the person who is air quotes acting out the problem child or the problem person in the relationship. And then we identify they're, they're the IP all right, or the IC. They have to be the one who comes in. Well, they're typically going to be the one who's also least able to actually make that change because they're the one who has the identified lack, need, discrepancy, and, and they're showing everyone. So it is so triggering for me to watch an identified patient, whether that be an OT or PT even, or mental health therapy, where we just have the onus of the work, the burden go onto the person who's already showing that they have the biggest need. When Mm -hmm. we level that out and have the system be the client, the system or the patient, which would be the family or the organization or the culture or whatever it is that needs the support. Well, now we are all in in a more fluid, more sustainable way to be able to allow the shift to both happen and maintain. So I'm obsessed with the way you handle parent support, parent education, the way you have conversations with parents that allow them to come into a seat of, I can actually help rather than just chauffeur my kid to therapy. (laughs) It's brilliant, Kristen. I love it. I love watching you talk to parents. Thanks, Elise. And yeah, what um, what bubbled up for me as you were saying that is also, I think the importance of approaching therapy from a strengths-based perspective, rather than really focusing only on the client, the child's deficits and needs. And I think, yes. of course, we want to focus on what is hard for them, but I think that's something that also just kind of goes wrong in our current Mm -hmm, model mm -hmm, of delivering mm -hmm. services is that, you know, we're so focused on all these things that we want to fix about ourselves or our children. And we lose sight of all of their strengths and the way that we can be really like using those strengths to support the kids to grow. So it's not that we, it's not that we're not going to help them grow, but rather than focusing on all the things that are wrong and focusing on getting them to do the things that are the hardest for them, we're going to learn about, we're going to take the time, I'm going to take the time to learn about what your kid loves, what Mm -hmm. your kid is really motivated by, what they're really good at. And then we're going to use all of those things to help them gradually expand beyond their comfort zone and build their skills. Yes. Um, yes. And yeah. And I think within that strengths-based approach, you are looking at those environmental factors, which might be impacting the child rather than just looking at it as like a problem with the child mm-hmm. themselves. There's yes. so many things in the environment that impact why a child might be behaving in the way that they're behaving. Ah, yes. Right. Well, and that's, it's, um, again, the similar nature of, are we talking about the child or the adult as a problem or as like, or or is this opportunity or is this, um, what else is present? So not eclipsing the pleasure principle for one or the strengths that that are Mm -hmm. already in existence to overly identify the discrepancies or the, the things that need to be gained. 
um, you know, it's funny, I actually see that almost the most in couples therapy, because there's such a focus on what's wrong, that, and then they'll go to therapy for couples counseling, and still focus on problems. And it's like, okay, so what a downer. Like, that sounds terrible. Who wa- Let's just do that. So I'm like, yeah. typically working with a couple, I'm like, hey, let's, um, we're going to get into this, like, we got to lighten this sh- shit up. <laughs> we need to play. We need to remember. We got to, we got to come back to mm-hmm. something else besides all the things that hurt. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah. And if you, there. yeah. And if you think about, I'm really blanking on their name, but I heard somebody on a podcast recently say, another OT say that as adults, like we build our life around our strengths, right? Mm. Like I have things that I'm better at (laughs) than other things. I don't have the best hand-eye coordination. I'm not really a great tennis player. I'm not a great (laughs) volleyball player. I don't like balls coming towards my face. It scares me. So I don't spend my time playing ball sports and that's okay, right? Like as an adult, we're allowed to have these spikes um, in things that we're interested in or things that we're better in. Like that's your passion, right? Yeah. Your, your passions, that's what you're encouraged to follow. And then I think I see so often with children where we, I don't know, we like we have this ex- expectation that they should be well-rounded and be like good at everything. Um, oh, and damn, yeah. I don't know, we just don't, we don't do that to adults. So <laughs> I feel like we need to think about that wow, in the way wow. that we're raising kids and even our education mm-hmm. system and all those things. It's like, people have different preferences. People have different interests. That's okay. Um, wow. you can for sure make a life that <laughs> builds upon what you're good at. And at the end of the day, that's what we're all trying to do mind blown because in the just like parenting land is the idea of exposure for well-rounded children so you're but you're right you're I mean well I need to let that sink in because we do not expect that of adults we actually do the opposite we prize somebody who is um, not a jack of all trades right like they're but they're like able to be excellent in the thing that they do we don't always we really don't value a well-rounded like we don't wow okay I'm gonna be with that today yeah Thank you. yeah and and I guess I do want to clarify that that doesn't mean it doesn't mean that if there's a significant like area of difficulty that we don't want to address that like we always no, want to totally, be totally, yeah totally. paying attention to how things can be functional. It's just, yeah, I think it's just about letting people have preferences and spikes and and respecting that. And maybe leaning into those kids, leaning into those areas where kids might have a lot of passion or be really yeah. interested um, and letting them have that. Right. It's a good thing. It, it is. It, and there's then to be like, um, I don't know if it's like a trickle over or a snowball effect that happens when we push into resource or we push into strength that then feeds the other parts that like needed that energy, like that needed that sense of, I enjoy this strength. And now I might be more Mm. interested in um, allowing that strength to carry over into this function or this goal or this whatever. So I do, I hear you in the, the difference. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah. And it's, it's also about helping. I think something I think a lot about in my work as an OT is how can I help somebody feel successful at the task that I'm asking them to do? (laughs) Because Mm -hmm. if they don't feel successful, are they going to want to do it? (laughs) (laughs) Like I don't want to do it. Right. If some, if a task is way too hard for me, it's pushing me out of my, you know, window of tolerance to bring in some regulation terms, right? It's like, I can't, I can't attend to that task. I can't do my best because this is way outside of what I feel that I have the resources or capabilities to handle. So I think that's, yeah, we kind of need to think about that too. Like our expectations way too high 
for where this child's at and how can we if we are seeing signs of frustration or difficulty or we're seeing the kid zoning out or becoming agitated fidgeting a lot like maybe we need to change and adapt mm -hmm. what we're asking mm -hmm. them to do mm -hmm. in that moment rather yes. than pushing for like compliance right correct yes god yes so this is and this is um when I go to different MOPS groups in the area, this is something I talk about and drill in is the children that are identified as behavioral problems in a school setting and sent to therapy, like my kind of therapy, and they're identified as a behavioral issue and not understood as like, no, no, it's an actual behavior and that should be an occupational therapy. So mm -hmm. I have, um, my even just friends that are parents that'll be like, okay, at least do I need to take them to therapy? I'm like, not my kind. Good to OT. Go figure out what's structurally going on. There's what there what I can't help that child right now if we don't know that they actually can't sit in their seat for a different reason and we're calling it misbehaving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's yeah, it's important to look at the like what is underneath the behavior. It's like behaviors yes. are a sign. Yes, that something is not working for that child. And they're often a way of communicating. It might not yes. be the most functional way of communicating, but they the child is telling you something. So we need to get curious around what that is, what isn't working. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, it could be could be a lack of skills could be some sensory processing difficulties. Um, could be anxiety. I mean, there could be a lot of things that are yeah. in a combination of things that are feeding into yeah. that behavior. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked a lot about kids. Can, I want to talk about the adult piece too, because adults are mainly who are listening. So whether they have kids mm -hmm. that have been in OT, but I want to talk about like how sometimes we, the two of us within radical wellness, will take a little bit more out of the box, maybe more a holistic perspective on how OT could be a, of service to a person like a regular, like a regular one of us. <laughs> well, how, how could you, how do you serve the mainstream population? Yeah. So at Radical Wellness, I offer integrative coaching. Um, and integrative coaching is really about helping people build the foundations in their life for living a life of well-being and balance. So it's about helping people make changes in their life that are gonna help them feel more aligned with who they are on the inside and where they wanna go in their life. Um, it might be helping people make adjustments to how they're moving their body throughout the day, how they're balancing work and self-care, how they're able to get restorative and nurturing sleep, um, mm -hmm. how they're able to implement um, regulation strategies or stress management things. I think yes. that's a great yeah. area where, um, you know, OT for adults or integrative coaching can be a real complement to therapy. Um, yes. I've worked with a lot of folks who have been in therapy for many, many years, mm -hmm. and they have a lot of insight into the things that are difficult or maybe triggers that they're experiencing in day-to-day -day life. They might even have a lot of strategies that they know about or they've learned, but they're having a difficult time actually pulling in those strategies consistently yes. and in the moments that they need them the most. And so- yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's kind of one of the ways that I can support with that. It's like, you might know what you need to do, <laughs> but you're having a hard time actually doing it. Do it. <laughs> or yes, yes. you feel just clueless around like how to get started or how to do it. Mm -hmm. Like, so mm -hmm. actually that implementing that process of change in a way that is going to work for you um, because yeah. everyone goes through that process differently. Oh, this is like a sexy conversation for a therapist. <laughs> like, yeah, the difference between insight and implementation, like it's everything. And it is, um, 
it's everything. It's everything. It's everything. It's everything. So it doesn't, I would tell people, it doesn't matter what you know, if you're not doing it, like I don't, who gives mm -hmm. a shit that you know all those things. So the, we will often chase the why without the what, like what, well, what do I actually do here? Um, the people that I have sent your direction recently have been people that like, they already know and they do and nothing's changing. And so in therapy land, we might call that an impasse. And to me, I'm like, that person just needs some actual functional support that is outside again of like, that's not my, that's not my job. That's your job. Your job is come alongside the patient, help them take the things that they know and actually drop it into their life in a way that they can step towards it and maintain it. It's like, ah, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I'm obsessed with the collaborative piece there. It's like, it's a piece that we have been needing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah. um, yeah. And I, I'll say that as the person who's on the other side, it's so nice when there is the mental health support that's helping somebody process all the things that are underneath that are often barriers to change. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I see that too, right. I see adults that I'm working with where there are very real, psychological, emotional, maybe like a trauma history. There are very real things that are getting in the way of them moving forward. So yes, yeah, yeah, we definitely need both. Yes, um, the collaborative piece. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's um, Kat who works in the San Clemente office as well. She's our doctor of physical therapy. She works for IPA physio. Um, the way that all three of us, like we'll talk about or conceptualize a case because she's looking from the physical structural perspective, looking at the, um, the the meaning making and actual functional implementation, and then me being able to look at the even like the 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 pattern of thought, the pattern of feeling, what is outside of their realm of awareness, um, what needs to shift in the relationships that are in the system. It is, um, I love the collaborative care model for those reasons because we're all seeing something very different from where we stand and then can each offer in the touch that allows that person to just get that little like, little shift like that. And then it all snaps into place where it's like, oh, there it all is. It's all there. It's all present now. Mm -hmm. So, so definitely, yeah. And I think it's, yeah, it's not common for like a physical therapist, an occupational therapist and a mental health <laughs> therapist to all be working together. Um, people's care is often so disjointed and I think people often feel like they have to tell the same stories over and over again. They have to explain yes. the same history. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really excited about what we're doing there too, to just make it easier on people. Yeah. Um, you know, like yeah. all, all parts yeah. of you can come to this place and be held and supported and you know, there's a space for all members of your family. Um, yeah, it's, just, yes. it's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. What else? What else would feel like? Um, I want people to understand this either about occupational therapy in general or like my specific, like, I don't know, take on it, experience with it. Um, let's see. So I know one... So one thing, I guess, if it's helpful for folks to maybe if, if a parent is listening and you're curious about how OT might support your child or what that process might look like um, as far as like how I'm going to conceptualize your child and, and help them and help you, um, I could share a little bit more about what that assessment looks like and oh, yeah. how, I, yeah. how I conceive of that. Um, yeah. And even like, um, that's, that's actually great. So I, maybe just high level it, when you're evaluating for OT and then also when you're evaluating for like, how is a person like, okay. So my last podcast episode I talked about, I was in early motherhood and the, I was just surviving. I'm like, that should have been a part. I should have had an OT come help <laughs> me figure out how to look through like my day and yeah. my functioning, because there was, I was like so warped. Um, mm. So 
I almost want to like, what are, how do those two people um, connect with you and how do you understand what their needs are? <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So I think I always concept, like I always, in order for me to identify if somebody might need an OT, um, I always, like my compass is function. So my compass is like, how is somebody doing in day-to-day -day life? How are they able to participate in the things that they need to do mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. that they also want to do that are meaningful to them, that are important to them? And if there's difficulty with those things, then my personal opinion is that talk to an OT because they probably will be able to help you problem solve, get some awareness on what some of those challenges or barriers are. Um, and they might be able to help you problem solve through that. Um, so let me take, so that's kind of the high level. Um, let me take the pediatric side yeah. first. Yeah. So, um, so if you have a child who, if, yeah, if your child is having difficulties with attention or focus, so functionally that might look like they're not following verbal directions. You have to ask them a million times to clean up their room. Um, they're having a difficult time getting dressed in the morning. You're having a difficult time getting them out the door to school. You're getting reports from the teacher that they won't stay in their chair or they're touching other kids. Or So those are just, it could be a range of things, but those are some common concerns that people come in yep. with. Yep. Um, the way that I look at that, so I'm starting with the view of, okay, I see these challenges with function, like at a high level. And then my job in the assessment is to really be a detective and start from the bottom up and see what is, what's like under the layers of what's mm -hmm, impacting that mm -hmm, child. Mm -hmm. So I look at things like their developmental movement patterns. I look at reflexes and if there's unintegrated reflexes that might be creating stress in the body-mind system or impacting postural control. I look at how they're taking in filtering and using sensory information. Um, I look at, and so those things that I just mentioned, I kind of view as like the bottom of the pyramid. All okay. of those things impact how we create our body map and how our body interacts with our environment. And they're all going to have an impact on things that are higher up in the pyramid, like how we regulate our emotions, how we communicate with other people, how we focus our attention, how we plan and execute a task. Mm -hmm. um, so I look at those things and I also look at skills like fine motor skills, visual motor skills, how you're basically using your hands um, and your body to do something that you need to do throughout the day. Um, I hope that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. It's actually, I'm, it's funny. I'm like, oh my God, that feels so clear. Um, and it, what, what it does is it actually relieved a lot of almost like tension I was holding. When I think about as a parent, I can get frustrated at the top of the pyramid and why those things aren't happening. And then I'm like, oh, hello. What if I was actually coming from the bottom up, I would understand why the task isn't being completed because it can't be. There's no foundation. There's nothing for that top task to sit on if the bottom foundation is not intact. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And so in treatment, a lot of the time, I'm helping to strengthen that foundation for the yes. child. And yes. if we strengthen the foundation of the house, everything else goes better and we'll yes. kind of naturally see these behavioral changes yes. or improvements and learning all those things that are at the top of the pyramid, because we're giving that child like a solid foundation mm -hmm. to sit mm -hmm. on. Um, and then the, you know, the parent coaching piece, I think is also, a yeah. that's maybe more coming from the top of the pyramid. So you're meeting in the middle somewhere. Um, so, yeah. So that, that's, um, it's interesting because it's, like I just I just ran through like some of the things in my brain where I'm like I have like one kid we call me absent-minded professor. It's like if it's not attached to his body, it doesn't exist. It's like doesn't matter how many times we say it, um, it's not landing. It's like 
grab your water bottle, grab your water bottle. Grab, okay, water bottle still in the garage floor when it's time to go. And now as a parent, I would just continue to be frustrated with that pattern and then even label it and say, oh, he's forgetful. Oh, he's the absent-minded professor. Oh, he, he never remembers things. Now I'm labeling him. Now I'm pigeonholing him. Now I'm expecting him to always do that. Well, now I've also created a loop in our relationship where he actually feels disrespected by me because I am labeling that behavior as like something that he does all the time. And mm -hmm. this is real, by the way, this is, this is really happening. And I had to like stop and be like, oh my gosh, you're right. Like I'm okay. Okay. Now, if I was looking at it and came into your office, I'd be like, oh shit. Like, I'm so sorry. I didn't like, that's, um, what a, what a, what a non-compassionate approach to my child by looking only at the top part of that pyramid and thinking that is exclusively what is occurring. So I really appreciate the opportunity to investigate what could be going on at a different level that I could actually offer support in and also relieve my frustration and his feeling of like being disrespected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just, yeah, thanks for sharing, Elise. And I just want to say that if any parent listening also feels that way, um, nothing I'm saying is to make any parent feel like they're doing a bad job or, um, totally. you know, like you yeah. caused you caused this or <laughs> you're contributing to your child's problems. Like, you know, I mean, you're not trained in how to look at the bottom of the pyramid, right? You, you might not oh, yeah. know that those things are connected. Correct. And so... Yes. I think that it's it's no fault um, of parents mm -hmm. that that mm -hmm. disconnect happens. Um, yes, God, I love yes, the, it can be yes. a nice. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad it can be. I hope that it can be a perspective shift and can also bring some hope that like yes, he's not just gonna going to be the absent-minded professor forever, yes. right? Like there yes. might be some strategies we could use to help him, um, yes. other than just repeating verbal language if exactly. that's not working. Exactly. It, it, that's, I, I'm, this is again, like why I love when we have conversations and you get to organically just respond to hear the um, like shame free response is like, it's a often an unnamed barrier to change is if a parent mm -hmm. feels bad about what is happening or what has happened. And it's like, to be able to to hear you say that is like right right of course of course I didn't go to OT school <laughs> so and it's such a necessary essential piece it's like the banner over all of our parenting and learning is I didn't know it is okay I'm here now let's get the support that someone else did go to school for <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> like, of course <laughs> so it's stunning to get to be received and equipped. That's good. That's so good. Mm. I love that. Um, I love that. I feel like there's a natural pause and I'm also aware I didn't get to the other Do it. side that you mentioned. Um, so let's, okay. So we talked about the the child side. So let's talk about the other side. Um, you gave the example of yourself. You're a new mom who's basically just struggling to survive. Right? Correct. <laughs> um, Truly. Yeah. So I think that, yeah. <laughs> and I would say, um, you know, one, I do think there are times. So when I'm working with adults, um, whether it's through OT with somebody who might have a chronic health condition or have a diagnosis or have a disability that they're trying to figure out how to manage in day-to-day -day life, or if it's providing integrative coaching for somebody, just an everyday person who is having difficulty kind of, or wants to get through daily life with more ease or change something in their life. Um, I always just, I feel like a lot of what I end up working with people on is how to find balance um, in day-to-day -day life. And the example that you shared reminded me of the fact that I do think sometimes in life, 
there are moments where balance is an illusion and <laughs> like <laughs> it might not be a time where balance is very realistic and sometimes we put that pressure on ourselves of like I need to be doing all of the things perfectly it's like well not really you have a new baby that needs your attention 24 seven and your job is to keep that baby alive. And so in this moment in your life, things are going to be out of balance and that's okay. Um, so I wanted to name that, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I think OT can help in those moments with putting things in perspective, with prioritizing, with helping, helping people to really like make an action plan for, oh, I just lost an earbud, with make an action plan for how they can get through the really difficult periods or moments in a way that they feel the most like themselves. Yes. Yes, Kristen. That's it. That makes the most sense. like themselves. It does. It's and so it's you know this is really ironic, but like the that this the last podcast episode I did, I literally just talked about that about being eclipsed in your own life, and what happens when we're out that far out of balance or out of integration is that when the needs of others around you are eclipsing yourself, then do you then get into the pattern of self eclipsing and continuing to almost evaporate? So if I do not know how to actually be myself in those different roles right and that's what I'm hearing like you would be able to help is in that function is making sure that I still feel like myself as a mom could feel like myself as I'm like recovering or postpartum could feel like myself as I'm trying to understand how to functionally get my kids to all these different places even like just literally help someone outside of my experience see into my experience and offer their wisdom Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. And I, yeah, I like that you brought up roles um, because I feel like the roles and identities we have, like as an OT, I see those as so connected to what we do and how we occupy our time. Um, yeah. So all these roles that you have are so, they're going to be impacted by the nitty gritty yes. of how you spend yes. the day. Yes. Um, and I think yes. that's kind of the OT perspective is like, how can we dive in together to that nitty gritty of like, what is, what is, what do these 24 hours of the day look like for you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. can we make some tiny little shifts so that there's a little more space, a little more ease, a little more intention, yeah. yes. um, a little more yes. opportunity for just well-being. Um, mm-hmm. oh, yes, yeah. yes. I like I'm I'm as I'm listening to you, I am like extending that invitation back to that version of me that really needed mm-hmm. that wisdom and. Um, just compassionate presence when I didn't know. And I'm like, wow, I would it. Mm. Like, I want to remember that there is supportive experience available when I don't know something. It just mm. feels really good to hear that. Mm. And to not have to know, you know, there's something about that too, with even in, in motherhood, I tell my children, like I have never been here before as a mom, like I have never before um, parented you as a 10 year old, nine year old, seven year old. I don't know. I'm new here. Could I extend that sense of grace to not mm-hmm. know and not have to know uh, that I would extend to a brand new mom who's really just trying to figure it out. So man what a world I love that (laughs) how can people I want I will link the things but if there is somebody listening I was like I would like to get in touch with you put your email in there your Instagram but um 
I would want anybody who is curious about understanding more about the integrative coaching piece because that's done online and can be done anywhere. And then mm -hmm. people who have even like their kids are in OT, but might want some parent coaching, might want some parent support like we've been talking about. Maybe you're not getting enough of that with your kid's direct therapist. Um, just any way for them to be able to reach out and brainstorm with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm available for that. I, you can probably, I hope you can tell that I love talking about this. So <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely open to answer questions and would love to connect with anyone listening who has any questions or curiosities or comments. Um, you can reach me at, so I'm on Radical Wellness's website. Um, I have my own website, which talks a little bit more about my work with adults and kind of like the integrative coaching services. That's um, just my first and last name, kristenmcconnell.com. Um, I'm not super us. active on because K yeah, K-R-I-S-T-I-N. McConnell is M-C-C-O-N-N-E-L-L.com. And the way I remember um, that is it's two of everything, two C's, two N's, two L's. So in case people, yes. want, and, and two I's. So it's like, okay, just if you're winning down, two of everything. Yes, all the doubles. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so website, um, email is probably the best way to reach me, Kristen at radicalwellness.co. Perfect, perfect. Kristen, thank you. And it is your... Um, your exuberance, love, but and brilliance in this field is inspiring. So thank you. Thank you for your work. Thank you so much, Elise. It was so much fun talking to you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.